Hello and welcome to the final episode in the second season of Mimble Wimble, the Harry Potter podcast. I am Prashantani. And I am Aishwarya. Today we are going to talk about how things work out for Ron. Let's start with the summary. When we last left off, Fox, Harry, Ron, Ginny and Lockhart were outside uh, Professor McGonagall's office. When they enter, they find that Fox led them there because it's not just McGonagall. The Weasleys and Professor Dumbledore is also in the office. There's a happy reunion. Everybody's like really glad that Ginny is still alive. Harry explains the events of the last few months to everybody in the room. Dumbledore and Harry end up having a heart-to-heart where Dumbledore clears up some really burning questions for Harry. But the heart-to-heart is interrupted by an angry Lucius Malfoy and Dobby. Harry thinks really quickly on his feet and manages to repay Dobby for attempting to help him throughout the year. Dumbledore throws a feast for the whole school and announces that exams are cancelled. Yay. All the petrified victims wake up and Hagrid comes back as well and Dumbledore is headmaster. Everything is as it was before and all is well at Hogwarts and for Ron. This is the only time where Harry gets to actually talk about what went on during his adventure in such detail. Every other time he goes through such an adventure in the future, he undergoes some personal loss and he never talks about it. And in the first book, when he went through this, he was unconscious for the whole time. And he didn't get to say his story, but his story was already very popular when he woke up. So this is the first time he gets to explain, first and only time he gets to explain everything that happened, including how he heard voices and how they started researching and how they found the diary and how they figured out that Hagrid was expelled and the reason was related to the Chamber of Secrets. Everything. And I feel happy for Harry that he finally gets to do it. I agree. It's also very unusual because over the course of this book and this podcast season, we've spent a lot of time discussing Harry's mistrust for authority, the way he chooses to withhold information. So it's very surprising and heartening that Harry has finally decided to trust the people in that particular room. He respects McGonagall, Dumbledore and the Weasleys enough that he's okay being open. The adults can't screw up now. Everything is done and dusted and Ginny is saved and Riddle is gone. I agree. It's just Harry could have definitely left out a lot of things in his version of the story. Except he doesn't. I think that the only thing that could have been incriminating enough to leave out was the hearing of the voices. But by now the whole school knew that he's a parcel mouth. And it's key to understanding why he was driven to find the answers. Moments before the attacks started, he knew something was going on. And the personal connection was what drove him to find out what was going on. That's true. But I'm also referring to not just this particular retelling of the events, but also the conversation that he has with Dumbledore because mm. he's finally able to voice some of the questions that have been eating him up over the last couple of months. Like, is he really connected to Slytherin? Why did Riddle think that he and Harry were so alike? Mm. Those are questions that he's had for a long time that he doesn't know the answer to, that, that he he was struggling with, that he finally manages to ask Dumbledore. Honestly, like I told you, I also think that they are very similar. Harry himself thinks that they are very similar. But when... Harry figures out that Riddle is actually Voldemort. He himself is scared of the similarities. And the fact that Riddle also pointed out the similarities must have been really off-putting for him. 
and i'm sure that it's a really worrying thing to hear especially after a year full of doubting himself it's not just the whole school that kept thinking harry might be behind the attacks but harry on some level kept doubting himself because he was a special person who heard the voices so even though everything was well at that point this news would have been really worrying and i'm glad that he voiced it out now as soon as it happened instead of keeping it to himself and like voicing it out much later when it was too late i agree so one of the questions i always had right from the beginning of this book is not right from the beginning but after i found out that hagrid uh, studied with riddle but never spoke about it to anybody was why nick it's such a cool thing cool thing <laughs> to say <laughs> i went to school with lord voldemort is is a cool thing to say only if you are doing an ama on reddit and you <laughs> desperately want people to come to your ama <laughs> but yeah i think whoever was associated with voldemort when he was in power have tried very hard to disassociate themselves from him and if you're like a underground voldemort supporter or if you know something about voldemort you just want to keep quiet but from dumbledore's explanation it sounded like not a lot of people knew that tom riddle is voldemort yeah, exactly that was what i was going to say mm. hagrid would have never known that the boy who framed him and got him expelled was none other than voldemort himself I guess if he knew that information he would feel a little better mm-hmm. for being like manipulated or framed by someone who's so powerful. Wait, not so like by, a schoolboy. <laughs> wait, so by your logic it's okay to be framed by sociopath. <laughs> But no, schoolboy is a problem. <laughs> like Dumbledore mentions a lot of people have been hoodwinked by Voldemort. And it's kind of okay to be defeated by the greatest dark wizard of all time than you know a normal school going boy who went on to live a normal life fair enough i also think that it might have eaten up hagrid wondering why he got expelled for a crime that he knew he didn't commit yeah and what kind of grudge must tom riddle have held against him to out him like that so at least this knowledge would have like given him some peace i think or maybe hagrid thought on some level that pyder was behind the attacks maybe he did which makes him putting aragog in the forbidden forest all the more dangerous <laughs> i'm not sure but since aragog can talk i guess he trusted aragog to not be behind the attacks but hagrid also knew that it was very incriminating right from the beginning when serious things were happening at school he should have found a way to you know get rid of aragog somehow i agree but then as we know hagrid he wouldn't want to put aragog in harm's way mm. by letting him out loose when he was so young yeah i think we're getting ahead of ourselves when the weasleys finally realize that ginny is alive they are overjoyed obviously i don't think they were expecting any kind of um solution to happen they wouldn't have known that harry and ron went after the chamber of secrets monster they wouldn't have noticed that lockhart you know was abducted in a way so they did not expect anything they were probably convinced that their child is dead from there to 
you suddenly turn back and you see your child standing at the doorway it's such a nice moment yeah but then jinny is very upset because of what happened and she is blaming herself so, and it looks a little bit like her parents are starting to blame her for being hoodwinked by a magical diary and i completely understand their concern if i were the parent of a kid who was writing in a notebook and the notebook was talking back to her i would be terrified and i would want to know and to know that it's mr weasley's child who's doing it yeah. who knows so much like even the advice he gives what have i always told you never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain it's so specific like he's seen a lot of dark items that have functioned in a certain way and he specifically told her that these are the things you need to avoid and she went and did the exact thing that her father asked her not to do so on some level yeah the disappointment makes sense it also makes sense because this is a lesson that Ron has clearly assimilated very well because the mm. first time they encounter the diary Ron is like really worried and he doesn't want to pick it up. In fact, when Harry does have the diary Ron wants nothing to do with it. Yeah. Ron is just content to ignore the diary completely because he knows how dangerous ordinary seeming things can be. Yeah. That makes sense. So there was one interesting point about uh, the diary itself that I read about on the internet. Mhm. So apparently JK Rowling's sister used to write her innermost thoughts in her diary and her fear was that someone would eventually read it and use the points against her somehow so that's how this whole idea came up for her that's a really cool thing very normal thing that children do is write in a diary and then like put so much effort into protecting it and jinny tried to do the same thing except she was communicating to lord voldemort that is like incredibly scary like you said she took something like very seemingly normal and like turned it on its head i guess the secret to writing like really suspenseful books is to just pick very ordinary things in your life and yeah. then be like what if those are the best kind of horror stories like they are the ones that really scare me All and this is particularly scary to me cuz this kind of happened to me i used to have a diary when i was a teenager and i used to take it to school with me because i was 100% certain that if parents found it they would read it except uh my classmates found it and read it oh shit it was a huge bunch of them and i had to live with the fact that there are so many people who knew all the stupid things i wrote in a notebook down right oh my god those were thoughts i weren't even thinking particularly at that moment and you know how teenagers write yeah. everything is super melodramatic all the time and it was stuff about people in that particular class with me oh i have never really recovered from that incident i still don't have a diary per se <laughs> and Now that I know that this is what JK Rowling took and wrote this book has a quite special importance now. <laughs> yeah, even I used to have a diary but I was so guarded with my feelings that I actually proofed it for prying eyes. Oh, what you do? It's not like I wrote code or anything. I just like never wrote my innermost feelings in it. I try to make everything sound positive like even if I am writing about someone I would try to make it look like I do think that this thing they did was bad but they're a generally nice person. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a fake diary like yeah, I'm writing it for someone else. I don't get why I even wrote it but <laughs> that was not a habit that I had for a long time it was a very short stint. <laughs> yeah. The incident you just told me was like so horrifying yeah. even with my um <laughs> prying ice proof diary mm-hmm. I would have been like devastated I would not have had the courage to go back to the school It was really terrifying the problem with this situation was everybody was very interested in the contents of it 
rather than the fact that i trusted people to not go through my belongings and that was basically a violation of my privacy that's horrible yeah but i think uh, when we were kids the concept of privacy was very alien that's true i actually got a lot of privacy from my parents like even if my diaries lying around even if the thoughts are not like too deep they would never read it i am glad that happened that's an anomaly you don't normally see stuff like that happening when i was a teenager and if my sister had a diary i would have read it <laughs> yeah i can understand human curiosity completely yeah. we never taught to value privacy if someone's like being really private they are hiding something that was the thought process back then it's not much better now but at least we know that certain things are off limits like diaries and computers going to someone's bathroom cabinet or things like that wait what <laughs> going through their belongings oh i completely agree and i also think like computers and phones are the best thing to happen to teenagers right because you can lock your phone and you can put in a password that your parents don't know even though harry is being really forthcoming about everything that hap- that's happened over the last couple of months there are parts of the story that don't actually belong to him and that make jinny look bad how can he bring himself to tell the weasleys that jinny is the person who opened the chamber of secrets and the person responsible for petrifying so many people and a ghost thankfully dumbledore comes to the rescue then and explains to everyone the connection between tom riddle and lord voldemort yeah he kind of frames the thought in a way that makes it seem like jinny is after all a little girl and people who are more experienced and more powerful than jinny have been hoodwinked by voldemort before and i think uh, a little looked over fact about this book is about the kind of manipulation that jinny experienced we know that she spoke a lot about harry in the book and riddle actually is very aware of harry's past that was in riddle's future we don't know anything about how exactly he went about changing her mindset and making her go into the trance and getting her to open the chamber of secrets and all that jinny would have been more powerful in the beginning of their relationship right at that point when she got the diary riddle is just a memory pure memory he has no power according to riddle he feeds on the soul of jinny even as she spills out her secrets he becomes more powerful and i would have loved it to see a sample of their conversation to see how riddle is able to you know take her own words and put thoughts into her mind yeah I agree. It would have been really fascinating to see a snippet of the conversations that Ginny and Tom Riddle had. Let's leave aside the idea that Lord Voldemort or at least the teenage version of Lord Voldemort had to listen to another teenager talk about her devotion to the person he knows who ultimately destroys him. <laughs> Do you think he helped uh, Ginny come up with that poem? ஒரு <laughs> 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 
I wonder if Ginny had a lot of influence over the victims themselves because there is a pattern to the victims in the sense that they are all people who have one way or another inconvenienced slash annoyed Harry, right? Our first victim is Mrs. Norris. The first attack actually immediately follows the time when Harry finds out that Filch is a squib. Yeah. And the second attack is on Colin Creevy, who was really annoying Harry by taking pictures of him lying down on the ground when he had like flubber-like arms. And the third attack is Justin Finch Fletchley, who was turning the school against him and talking about how Harry was the heir of Slytherin. Yeah. Everything except the fourth attack makes sense because Hmm. Hermione didn't do anything to Uh inconvenience slash annoy Harry. Or like Riddle says, it's to bring Harry to the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting theory that Ginny chose the victims based on who annoyed Harry. But it could also be Ginny talking about these people in the diary and Tom Riddle wanting to go after them because it would inconvenience Harry more. That's totally possible. Because from the way Tom Riddle talks about Ginny, he cruelly mimics her. No one ever understood me like you, Tom. I'm so glad I've got this diary to confide in. It's like having a friend I can carry around in my pocket. So, like you said, maybe he takes incidents from Ginny's life and then like chooses the victims so that it's a weird kind of devotion to Harry. <laughs> Not from Ginny, but from Riddle himself, maybe. More than devotion, I think things that would frame Harry. Like he gets into a problem with someone and immediately they're attacked. And I think that maybe he wanted to turn the school against him and make make him sweat for some time. That's possible. Tom Riddle was a person who framed Hagrid at one point. It's not very hard for him to frame Harry and get rid of him in some other way. Yeah, that's usually possible. And we should note that Malfoy, who saw the diary, did not really recognize it. Yes. Even when we later find out that Lucius Malfoy was the one who gave the diary to Ginny, it's clear that he did not reveal that information to his own son. Yeah. Which is strange, given that he sent a newspaper cutting about Arthur Weasley getting into trouble to his son. Which is so malicious, actually. If Lucius Malfoy's only intention with the diary was to introduce it to the school so that it would open the Chamber of Secrets, he would should have given it to his son. His son could have used it and opened the chamber yeah. and done whatever that the heir of Sutherland wanted. Instead, he wanted to make sure that he was getting back at Mr. Weasley for all yeah. of the work he's done with the ministry. And he was doing it in such a horrible way by, by using an innocent person. There is no point in this book where we could expect anything less from Lucius <laughs> Malfoy. But you wouldn't expect him to go to this extent. I would totally. Yeah, this is where that point is framed for us, where you're Mm. like, you think Malfoy is bad because, Mm. you know, he's Draco Malfoy's father and he doesn't like seem like a nice person. But you know what? He's much, much worse. Yeah, true. I think it's fascinating and it's a thing that is never explored in this book, but I would like to know more about it. I was reading up on it, but there's no definite answer from the author about how exactly Ginny was manipulated. It is super fascinating. And I wish that uh, J.K. Rowling had dwelt on that a little bit in the future books. Spoiler alert, but 
Ginny doesn't get as much attention in the future books as I would have liked. You know, it would be nice to see like how this influenced her and what kind of person she grew up to be because of that. But because this is essentially Harry Potter's story. Yeah. We don't get as much time with Ginny as I would have liked. But to undergo this sort of uh, experience on your first year and that must have shaped her future in a very weird way. It's also really telling that the minute they find out that all these horrific things have happened and Ginny was responsible, she could have nearly killed so many people. She was being possessed slash manipulated by a sociopathic mass murderer and the worst dark wizard they have ever seen. Dumbledore immediately reverts to treating her like a child and saying, why don't you go to the hospital wing and drink some hot chocolate? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? I think it's a good thing because it makes Ginny feel like the adults are here and they will take care of things. Yeah. And they probably all have so many questions to ask her. But at that moment, by treating her like a child, he's at least given her the time she needs to like build up some mental strength before she can face anybody, her parents. That's true, actually. I anybody. never thought of it. Obviously, they will ask questions. She probably had like a interrogation session with not just with the school authorities but also with her parents yeah by sending her to the hospital wing also i think dumbledore gives her some room away from her parents i'm sure mm. the minute she got there madam pomfrey was probably like why don't you just take a nap or something i wonder how much madam pomfrey knew yeah a lot of things here are not clear for example the reason fox came to harry's rescue was it because dumbledore sent him was Dumbledore in the building when Fox flew away from Dumbledore's room? I honestly have no idea. That timeline is not very clear. Yeah. But wait, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. I just want to quickly talk about Lockhart. Because once Mr. and Mrs. Weasley and Ginny leave the room, it's just Ron, Lockhart, Harry and Dumbledore. And they almost forget about Lockhart because he's just standing in a corner, very unlike himself, right? Yeah. And then when they explain what happened to Lockhart, to Dumbledore. Dumbledore just says, Impaled upon your own sword, Gilderoy. Which means Dumbledore knew Knew, from the beginning. So he hired someone that he knew or suspected was a hack to the school. Not just a hack, a criminal. A criminal, yeah. Someone who has been taking credit for other people's achievements and has been obliviating people en masse. What? (laughs) It's a school. Why would you do that? I read an essay by J.K. Rowling on Pottermore about Lockhart where she talks about Dumbledore's motivations for bringing Lockhart into the school and she clearly states there that Dumbledore did actually know and he bought him in so that he could discredit him. School is not the place to do it. Yes. Seriously. There are so many other ways to discredit people. (laughs) Endangering the education of so many children. Yeah. With Quirrell at least. You know that he's incompetent, but Dumbledore did not know that he was carrying Voldemort Mm. on his own body. (laughs) So that's one thing. And then you bring someone who you know to be like a bad influence and a bad person. Dumbledore might be a great wizard, but I don't think he's a good headmaster. I completely agree with you. Hmm. Like I was reading a lot more of those Dumbledore comics. (laughs) Now I'm totally on their side. (laughs) What? What is going on in the school, really? Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like, um, it's very hard to weed out the bad eggs in teachers, honestly. With so many children involved, it is a place that warrants you to be more careful. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just the sheer volume of people 
hides a lot of wrongdoings and people end up making too many mistakes i would rather keep the post empty until i find someone competent to fill the post i completely what agree what is so hard about it like why give children a bad education literally no education is better yeah i doubt they learned anything from lockhart yeah they probably learned to identify people like lockhart i guess yes. that's a good thing like okay i guess that's a life lesson but, <laughs> but i don't i don't think that was dumbledore's intention so and then dumbledore sends ron and lockhart away as well so that he and harry can have like a heart to heart so that he can drop like many quotable quotes <laughs> in the course of this conversation oh you missed this part harry and ron get special services award oh i know can you imagine how excited ron must have been this never gets mentioned in the book after this yeah after this point it's like it's such a dumb award i know but like a it'll go up in the trophy room where nobody goes other and, than these three and no one will ever know why because we know that the special services awards don't say why someone received <laughs> that award yeah. right but also remember how earlier in this podcast i don't remember the specific episode sorry we were talking about how ron must feel overshadowed by all his brothers mm. this is the one thing none of his brothers have special services to school award that is especially why i feel like it's not mentioned enough times later like a lot of times in the future harry ron and hermione have their achievements mentioned in some form and this thing never comes up they talk about what happened in the chamber of secrets but never about how they got an award for it i agree after that dumbledore sends ron and lockhart away and they start talking to each other so one thing i was really curious about is when harry talks about tom riddle dumbledore says and so you met tom riddle said dumbledore thoughtfully i imagined he was most interested in you this is really strange because tom riddle's memory we are talking about was before harry's time if ginny had not spoken about harry to tom riddle he would have never known about the existence of harry and maybe dumbledore could have come to the conclusion that someone probably communicated with him like maybe malfoy communicated with him in the meantime and updated him on what's happening to his future self or something but given that dumbledore doesn't know about ginny's obsession with harry coming to this kind of conclusion was very weird no i actually didn't think that was weird because i think it's one of those things that just gets mentioned in the passing right when you're having a conversation with someone and you're telling them about like events that happened there are lots of things that come up in slang for instance there are a lot of people who use hitler as a reference mm. right people be like that person is totally like hitler mm. so if you don't know who hitler is ultimately be like oh yeah hitler was this guy and stuff like that maybe people refer to harry Hmm. as something or he could have probably thought that it would have come up in the natural course of the conversation tom riddle might have even probed asking do you know a person named lord voldemort do you know what happened to him and stuff like that and he would have thought maybe it just came up in the course of the conversation like oh yeah when i was a baby he was killed by another baby <laughs> you're right in the sense that dumbledore doesn't know about Ginny's obsession with Harry but or he maybe he does or maybe he does mm. we don't know that Dumbledore is very calm when he discovers all of these things right at no point does he display any amount of surprise or curiosity per yeah. se he actually displays curiosity only when he gets the ruined diary from Harry when Harry is talking about how there's like a teenage version of Tom Riddle in a notebook Dumbledore just like takes it in without even blinking an eyelash yeah. right? he's just like yeah 
Teenage memory, cool. <laughs> Been there, seen that. <laughs> so I assume it would have come up in conversation like that. That makes sense. So that's when Harry expresses his fear about being similar to Riddle, and and he also confides in Dumbledore about the incident with the Sorting Hat. Mm-hmm. And Dumbledore gets to deliver his most famous quotable quote of all times. I completely agree. It is our choices, Harry, that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. <laughs> I also didn't realize. until this quotable quote right that this quote actually explains harry himself as a character yeah. that harry is not extraordinarily gifted he's not an amazing wizard he's not the most magical wizard he's not the cleverest or the bravest he is extraordinarily only because he always makes the choice to help people yeah so i didn't realize that until this reading that that <laughs> quote is basically like you can summarize harry as a character with just that quote yeah I feel really annoyed by the way things are rushed here because a lot of things explained here like you said are very defining moments for Harry finding an answer to why he's he's in Gryffindor and the whole thing about Riddle and Harry and I mean that is the story of the whole series so when something this important is being explained I would have liked the author to take some more time on and dwell on it The whole conversation between Harry and Dumbledore happens in one page. Yeah. Uh, I know that this is a kids book and all that, but there is no harm in taking a little more time. But I think she does realize that and she made the later books bigger, which I love. Mhm. But I really hate how fast this book ends. I agree. Like, but she also picks up the unaddressed threads from this chapter and explains them in detail. We get a ginormous clue in this book that No one ever realizes it was a clue until like book six. Until that was the best. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm sure there are a lot of people who are over the years were like Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. You can probably skip that book. Mm. Like just go straight from like Philosopher's Stone to Prisoner of Azkaban, and then book six came on. Yeah. People were like, "Whoa, don't skip book two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just reading this giant thread about how a lot of people list Chamber of Secrets as their least favorite Harry Potter book, and I feel the same way. Me too. and a lot of people think that not a lot of plot happens but i'm just summarizing what people who were all for chamber of secrets said so though the plot itself doesn't move a lot though it's similar to the first book in many ways one of the things that chamber of secrets does really well is building the world in book 1 it was all about oh magic oh you can do this with magic the portraits are moving the staircases are moving and honestly let's not forget that in book 1 it takes over half the book for harry to actually get to hogwarts yeah and get settled in so i think a lot more details about the magical world is exposed here one magic is not pure all the time i mean right from the beginning we go to nocturne alley we see dark magic all around and then we discover that there's a class system in the magical community too and it's very deep rooted and the whole four houses thing it's not as straightforward as it seems there were fundamental differences in how each founder thought about the school so all these details about the magical community and all the people we meet here are really important and i'm glad that we got a whole book to discover that and opening 
the chamber of secrets is no mean feat even though it's just one plot point that we follow in this book it's still a very important thing that harry has to get past he has to understand how the community thinks about people who come in from outside world like harry is like a muggle born himself because he grew up without any knowledge about the magical community so he can empathize with both sides he's kind of like a pure blood but he is also like a muggle born so he has to understand that though to him everything is equal the magical community doesn't see it that way and this difference between good and bad has to come early because harry has to meet a lot more dangerous stuff and understand a lot more dubious people later on so i'm glad this book exists i think a lot of people were also confused for all the reasons that you just said but also because straddles a very awkward line in the series between children's book and book for adults mm. per se it's darker than its previous book it has all these gritty things takes are much higher in this book than they are in the previous book but it's also trying to be a children's book which is why like you said so many things happen in the last chapter like yeah. every end is like neatly tied up and yeah. there's like a fairy tale ending and everything is okay and everything is back to normal and which i think makes people feel a little cheated like things happened but the consequence was like rushed through as a child who was going through all this harry is never aware of the true consequence until much later we get many indication throughout the series that we only see the world through harry's eyes knows this is not a first person narrative even in simple things for example when mcgonagall leaves the room it is described as her leaving the room just with harry ron and dumbledore because harry forgets about the existence of lockhart for a while when dumbledore talks to lockhart that's when he remembers and that's when you register that lockhart is still in the room so things like that will give us some indication as how this entire thing is about how harry understands things and when he is unaware of the consequences it feels like nobody is aware of it but there are a lot of people who are and as we know a lot of the consequences of this book comes up later and in a very spectacular way i really love the reveal so it is a children's book but it's age appropriate for harry that's true it is that's not a thing i have a problem with i do have a problem with it being rushed mm. it is pretty rushed because dumbledore and harry can't even finish their heart to heart before lucius malfoy is like just striding in there and being like I thought we got rid of you to Dumbledore. <laughs> But one of the funniest things is after uh, Lucius Malfoy comes in and Dumbledore's like, "Oh, we got rid of the monster in Chamber of Secrets." And I was like, "Wait, we? <laughs> How are you sharing the credit?" <laughs> I said, "Fox, okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> He briefed Fox. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As we discussed it felt like Fox knew a lot more about how to defeat the yeah. Chamber of Secrets monster than Dumbledore himself. I wonder if they did strategizing before. If it's a snake, <laughs> this is what it should do. Yeah, everything was super specific, right? Yeah. And Fox attacks without hesitation, which means either that Fox is like super intelligent, super intelligent, very experienced in this kind of thing, being like or maybe Dumbledore knew what was in the chamber of secrets all along. I mean, what is so hard in making the connection for a person like Dumbledore? Salazar Slytherin Chamber of Secrets big monster snake. I agree, which makes 
Dumbledore even more cavalier. <laughs> no, no. And he, he just, was before. <laughs> he just did not know where it was. I guess. He did not know like things that are happening, you know, the low level things that you would only know if you are a normal student. He did not know that information. Or maybe, you know, once they start getting around the school that Harry is a parcel mouth, I imagine that, like you said, he probably connected the dots as Salazar Slytherin Chamber of Secrets, big monster, snake, should be able to understand parcel tongue. Something that petrifies people. Yeah. Basilisk. Basilisk. So imagine if he made all that connection, it would probably been like, okay, maybe, you know, like being a parcel mouth is connected to it. The minute he finds out that Harry is a parcel mouth, you think he would have tried to use Harry to find the chamber. Hmm. Maybe he does in a way when they have that talk in his office. Dumbledore waits for Harry to volunteer any information yeah. that he can use, but Harry doesn't say anything there. Yeah. But Dumbledore could have asked also. He cannot ask Harry because he doesn't know what Harry is thinking, and if he doesn't know anything about it, he shouldn't be giving out clues and sending Harry to fight a monster. Telling a twelve-year-old boy that he's the only way that you can find out where the Chamber of Secrets is with the monster inside it. putting a burden on that 12 year old is really unfair yeah that is true so another interesting thing about the arrival of lucius malfoy is dobby yeah like why would lucius malfoy a person who's hellbent on you know oppressing everybody and everything around him bring his house elf so they sort of try to explain it by being like lucius malfoy was getting ready and dobby was trying to help him get ready but he didn't like give dobby enough time to like help him get ready but this excuse is very iffy because of information that we don't have currently but we get later on in the series we know that you cannot apparate into hogwarts mm. you have to apparate outside hogwarts and then walk in through the gates which means that even if lucius malfoy was getting ready and like he he apparated outside hogwarts and let's say he bought dobby along with him either in a side along or dobby like came with him to help him get ready and stuff like that There was all that long walk to McGonagall's office when Dobby could have easily fixed Malfoy's shoes and then left, but Dobby chooses not to. Maybe Dobby wants to come. Lucius yeah. Malfoy was just too angry to notice. Probably. And this whole excuse about Dobby tagging along Lucius Malfoy because Dobby was getting Lucius Malfoy ready comes only in the U.S. edition of the book. In the U.K. edition, there is nothing that indicates that. Oh yeah, my life is like. In the UK edition, which is the edition that I am reading right now, mm-hmm. we only get. Mr. Malfoy almost knocked Harry over as he swept into the room. Dobby went scurrying in after him, crouching at the hem of his cloak, a look of abject terror on his face. Nothing to indicate that he's carrying anything or he's cleaning his shoes or anything like that. In the US edition, there is an addition. It says the elf was carrying a stained rag with which he was attempting to finish cleaning Mr. Malfoy's shoes. Apparently, Mr. Malfoy had set out in a great hurry, for not only were his shoes half polished, but his usually sleek hair was dishevelled. Wow! <laughs> so all the British people think that Dobby tagging along is an insane coincidence. Mm-hmm. Well, the American people are like, "Oh, he was cleaning." I guess, and I also think that Dobby probably wanted to be there, so he yeah, yeah. used all excuses possible to be like, "Oh, let me clean your shoe one more time," <laughs> to like tag along and come. Because I'm sure he wants to know what happened, right? Like, mm. is Harry okay? What happened with the chamber? Yeah. But I like that they put an effort to, you know, change the text when they did the clean up. Yeah. But it doesn't look like a clean up because 
if you really wanted to add something like this wouldn't you add in the uk edition too maybe the U- us publisher suggested it yeah that's what yeah but bloomsbury is like it's chill we'll roll with our edition <laughs> we like it yeah this happens repeatedly over the series if i remember correctly there is a difference between the uk and us editions usually nothing that changes the story a lot i can only think of one incident where i think it changes it a little bit we'll get talk about it when we get to it but mm-hmm. yeah this happens a lot mm-hmm. another interesting thing is mm-hmm. a lot of things are interesting about lucius malfoy's visit that's why i keep saying interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> so dumbledore once again shows that he completely saw through him and he knows that Lucius Malfoy is the one who planted the diary who else would have access to lord voldemort's school things yeah and like you said it's mr weasley's child who's mm. doing the act that means someone who specifically has it out for mr weasley and who else yeah fits that i also had a question here yes by giving it to ginny lucius malfoy is basically trying to kill two birds with one stone Actually, three birds. Who's the third bird? So, he wants to discredit Mr. Weasley. He wants to get rid of Muggle bonds in the school, and he wants to get rid of the Muggle Protection Act. Okay, fair enough. Three birds with the same stone, but imagine this alternative narrative where Lucius Malfoy gave the diary to Harry Potter, hmm. the person that no one would suspect. of opening the chamber of secrets because he except everybody did he's the boy wizard who like saved the wizarding world from voldemort right kids suspected him but no adult would have probably been like harry is the one who's opening the chamber right imagine finding out that the person who saved you from voldemort is killing muggleborns so i think your point about how if the only goal was to get rid of the muggleborns in the school he could have given the diary to his son it the same thing applies here if that was his only goal then it makes sense to give the diary to harry potter actually the third bird is something else what is the third bird actually there is a fourth bird what is the fourth he bird? wants to get rid of dark magic objects oh my god yes mm. i completely forgot about that mr weasley is raiding his house and obviously he wants to get rid of the dark objects there yeah but would you really give away something that lord voldemort gave you to be fair he thinks voldemort died yeah so he's an opportunist that's what he'd do that's not his only goal target is not harry potter and besides how would he even give it i think he made a decision at the spur of the moment he had the diary with him and he knew that he'll run into the weasley somehow at uh, diagon alley he conveniently placed it with ginny do you think he had the diary with him so that he could try to get rid of it at bargain and burks maybe that's one of the popular theories mm-hmm. in the movie there's actually a deleted scene mm-hmm. uh, of lucius malfoy in bargain and burks There's a specific object that Borgin asks for, and Lucius Malfoy says that's not for sale, and people think it's the diary. Possible. Yeah. I didn't think about it like that. He did have it with him at that point. I think he wanted to plant it on some Weasley child. Genius. It just thing. happened to be Ginny. Mm-hmm. Wow. And for a person like Lucius Malfoy, petty politics always scores much higher than devotion. If he was really loyal to Voldemort, he would have given it to Harry. It's true. So yeah, when Lucius Malfoy realizes that Dumbledore has seen through him, not as Dumbledore, a twelve-year-old boy <laughs> has seen through his actions, he immediately like turns around to leave, 
Harry gets like giant brain wave. I'm surprised that Dumbledore handed the diary over to Harry immediately, right? Yeah. You think he'd be interested in examining it because like you said the only time that he actually displays any sign of curiosity is when Harry produces the diary. I would never let go of it. But he just hands it over to Harry and says, "Yes, take it." And Harry like thinks really fast, takes off his disgusting sock and puts the diary in it. Which I thought was kind of weird. Wouldn't it have been enough to just put the sock like inside the diary or something? That's what happens in the movie. Ah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then gives it to like Malfoy. who actually opens the sock pulls out the diary and then throws away the sock and he's like you meet the same sticky end as your parents one of these days harry potter yeah in the movie lucius malfoy is about to say avada kedavra oh he starts saying avada so it makes dobby's actions even more impressive because he literally steps in to save harry's life oh my god really yeah, yeah. how can you kill harry in in a school in the school yeah and like did you think you can get away with it i don't know but actually lucius malfoy doesn't face any direct consequence for planting the diary not for planting the diary i agree yeah. he gets sacked as a governor but we should keep track of this because i feel like he remains a governor for a longer time i don't actually remember i feel like this comes up in the next book so yeah. let's just like you know remember this for when next book rolls around but it's like a super fairy tale ending dobby gets his freedom lucius malfoy is sacked draco malfoy is sad because his father was sacked ginny's happy there's a school feast all the petrified victims are back hagrid is back oh but what happens to dobby is like so much more significant mm-hmm. we learn about houses we learn about their servitude and by the end of the book we see one house elf just getting free honestly harry had no idea what he was doing when he said dobby free <laughs> he did not realize the magnitude true. of his actions at all that is true <laughs> he just was doing a one on one helpful thing because he knew that dobby was not the kind of person who wanted to serve malfoy that's true i mean it's not like harry followed up and found out what happened to dobby immediately after yeah, right yeah. he wasn't like oh dobby now that you're free what will you do do you need some money nothing <laughs> He just be like never try to save my life again. Yeah, it's really funny <laughs> moment in the book and in the movie. I like the way that the movie Dobby smiles when he says that. Yeah. <laughs> But that's a very good ending and there was a poster when the second movie came out a lot of the cut out posters had both Harry and Dobby in it and it's the sweetest thing ever. It's the pose with which Dobby protects Harry. Mhm. that is very sweet <laughs> i did have one question though so i was thinking about dobby's actions in the chamber of secrets book right and dobby comes to warn harry because he knows that dangerous things are afoot and he thinks harry has something to do with the plot what was the plot what did malfoy discuss at home was he like i'm going to go plant this book so that voldemort can come back and kill harry is that how Dobby was like must protect Harry or was Malfoy just like I'm going to go plant this book so that uh, the chamber of secrets is open and and like muggleborns die and then Dobby is like who in the school could prevent this from happening and thinks Harry and then comes to one Harry so this is what I think Dobby's motivation was he thinks all school children are in danger but since he knows Harry Potter 
and he thinks that Harry Potter is like the only good thing that's happening to the magical world right now. He wants to make sure that Harry Potter is safe. And maybe Lucius Malfoy discuss something about framing Harry for the attacks. Maybe. We don't see the link. We don't see how Lucius Malfoy deliberately puts Harry in that position. But that's the impression we get from Dobby. So yeah. He just wanted to protect Harry. The only uh, good school child he that he knows, knows of. Yeah. That's true. And I imagine that he can't know a lot of school children, right? I assume he only knows the people that Malfoy talks about. Yeah, and moreover, he probably thought Harry Potter would be the savior of the house elves at some point. He saved the world once, he can do it again. True. And like Dobby says right in the beginning, things were really bad when Voldemort was around. And uh. after Harry defeated Lord Voldemort, probably Dobby feels some kind of gratitude for him. It's true. I didn't think about it like that. So all is well in the end. Ron is fine. Ron has had a roller coaster ride throughout this whole book, I think. He goes through a range of emotions. He's happy, then he's scared, then he violates school rules. <laughs> I'm just sad that they don't show us the reunion of Ron and Hermione in the book. It's a, it's a quick blur for Harry, like, exams are cancelled, feast is on, all the petrified victims are back, Hermione is like beaming, saying, you solved it, you solved it, and Justin Finch freshly shaking his hand. I love the scene in the movie, where Hermione like runs and hugs Harry, and then she and Ron have this awkward like <laughs> handshake <Yeah>. movement. <laughs> I feel like the movie realized that this could go either way, mm-hmm. and perfectly did the reunion. Uh, I agree, because could- I think when the second movie came out, book six hadn't yet come out yeah like you said movie was like this could go either way we must make something with this moment <laughs> and i think they did a perfect job yeah you see hermione hugging harry and you're like hmm, something might be there mm. and then you see hermione and ron being so awkward and you're like hmm, something might be there <laughs> that is a very intelligent decision on the part of the screenwriter i think because they read between the lines in book like we discussed over and over in the course of this <laughs> season ron thinks a lot about hermione and he is the most affected by her disappearance. Mm. That they translated that very nicely into the awkward yeah. reunion scene. Although book Ron would never be that awkward. Also, I just realized when we were talking about this, but duh, they probably consulted with J.K. Rowling when they wrote the screenplay. So she probably told them this is my plan. <laughs> so they were like, no, yeah, this true. is how we'll set it up. But <laughs> I think they wanted to throw us off too. So everything is well. They are back on the Hogwarts Express. And that's when Ginny reveals the most important piece of information <laughs> of this book. I, I love reading this part. Uh-huh. Ginny reveals that the thing that she saw Percy doing, that Percy was so embarrassed about, was that he was kissing someone. And that was Penelope Clearwater, the Ravenclaw prefect that got petrified. <laughs> Hearing this news, Fred actually drops a stack of books on George's head. <laughs> it's a hilarious scene. Yeah. I like that Percy is finally redeemed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ron's reading of Percy was wrong throughout the whole book. Even when she's petrified, Ron thinks that Percy is only worried because he did not think that prefix will also be affected. <laughs> but now he knows that he was actually worried about his girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, we don't see any of the realization dawning on Ron. Mm-hmm. I just think that Percy was dealt a really bad hand this time. I agree. <laughs> (laughs) 
as a whole i think book 2 is better than book 1 in technical aspects like the plot is a lot tighter there's a lot of setup like you said uh about the visiting world there's more character info there are more new characters yeah we meet a lot of new characters we meet lucius malfoy we meet mr and mrs weasley we meet the minister of magic yeah cornelius fudge, fudge. and there's a lot of foreshadowing for the future books as well yeah. you know we hear about askaban we hear about uh, tom riddle more about lord voldemort we there's even like direct foreshadowing for the next book they even yeah. choose the courses that they're going to take yeah. in prisoner of askaban this book shows her confidence also in the series i think because book 1 is a very self contained book but book 2 is not like that book 2 does the work of setting up the future books but also functions as a book by itself i disagree with your point about book 1 being self contained because i think the seeds for book 7 mm-hmm. are sown in book 1 and that's a lot of forethought i do think that right from the beginning she had a lot of ideas in her mind and she was never going to complete it in one book yeah i think she had some ideas but it was more like it could go any way so she just like sowed some seeds mm. in book 1 where it could develop but if it didn't it was still fine mm. book 1 could function by itself but book 2 cannot actually function by itself book 2 needs to be bookended between 1 and 3 <laughs> right you cannot read just book 2 and be like i know harry potter <laughs> i also I, really enjoyed that this was a monster book yeah the that, first thing you'll notice in this book is that it has a lot of monsters yeah. animals basically not just animals we see beyond human beings i want to say because we also see house elves mm. who are not monsters who are not animals either they're just yeah. like they're house elves they're they're whole separate beings beings kind by themselves it's nice that she didn't spend a lot of time creating a monster and telling us about that monster instead she chose to base her monsters of legends yeah right like the basilisk already exists in legends she just like repurposed the basilisk she repurposed house elves she repurposed even spiders mandrakes mandrakes they Ga- all the garden gnomes yes everything is repurposed so that she doesn't have to spend a lot of time setting up that particular creature she can just do it very like quickly she doesn't have yeah. to spend too much imagination this is the monster this is its fear she uses familiar elements to like move the plot along really quickly yeah. and i really appreciate that even if it's a magical book if you get enough clues you can work it out yes i like those kinds of suspense books i also found it kind of interesting and this is a little bit of a spoiler or spoiler only in the sense that it is an event in a future book which does not have any influence on the plot whatsoever but because you don't know it now it's going to be like a spoiler i guess we know that care of magical creatures exists that it's about learning about magical creatures in the magical world some of whom might be monsters this is the monster book <laughs> but there is no care of magical creatures here care of magical creatures comes into being from the next book and after that none of them are monster books <laughs> at all you think that in a monster book the most pivotal character would be the person giving you the information about magical creatures so you could put details together mm. i think a lot of people wouldn't have been able to resist putting a teacher as the source of all the information instead of hermione yeah uh being the one dispensing like random information in the background about like basilisks or like spiders or filling in the gaps for the students as like a teaching class this does sort of happen in the next book but since this is the monster book i'm surprised it doesn't happen in this book 
she clearly has plans for a care of magical creatures class but it's not in this book that is really interesting yeah and i also think that she purposely did not want to put it here mm-hmm. because she did not want to give too many clues i agree this feels and a little bit more organic it is very much in hermione's character to to do this kind of research yeah. she doesn't need to hear it in a class and moreover hagrid's name needs to be cleared to move on to become the care of magical creatures in the next book fair enough and uh, it is interesting that a lot of um, uh, a lot of things about this book though it's a secret it's leading to hagrid's name being cleared and him being released uh, out of azkaban that's true but seeing as we are talking about teachers in book 3 i have just have one more point to sure, add sure. about teachers in book 3 it's actually about hermione Huh. So when Hermione is unpetrified she has a lot to catch up on but mm. I think one of the biggest things that she has to process is the fact that Lockhart is a fraud. Oh my uh, god yes. The person that she admired so much that she doodled his name and put little hearts next to it in her <laughs> notebook is a fraud right. Can you imagine what Hermione must have been going through that whole process first like just anger <laughs> she probably felt disappointed humiliated at having Isn't that an emotion that we all feel when yeah, we find yeah. out that someone that we liked is nothing like that that we thought they were and now we have been caught out in the act of liking someone who is not a the kind person. of who is not a good person and you know you have to process all of that and I wonder if all of this led to a lot of disillusionment as well mm. with teachers yeah. or with you know just authority in general and I wonder how much of this forms her attitude towards professor Trelawney in the next book very interesting i never thought about it yes when she is unpetrified a lot of new information comes to her including the fact that lockhart was somehow involved in the same quest as she was mm-hmm. and he was of no use yeah someone she admired so much yeah even if it was a girlish crush and to a person like hermione i think that teachers were everything yes she must have looked up to her teachers to be the be all and end all yeah man that is must have crushed her true that's why this is a children's book through and through because this is not explored yeah otherwise it would have been mm-hmm. it's kind of what happens in the 7th book yes. with harry and dumbledore <laughs> it does it's just not hermione's story that's true i would like to read this part of hermione's story i think yeah definitely I guess we are done with book 2 now. Yay. Yay. Interestingly, this is the last episode I am recording as an unmarried woman. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. I know that. <laughs> But yeah. When we come back, it will be a couple of months and it will be season 3 and Prashanti will be married. I will still be unmarried. <laughs> Can promise. Listen to that. Single and ready to mingle. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah so we'll be back in 2019 actually mm-hmm. we are super excited about book 3 I know I'm seriously excited and very nervous also book 3 is my favorite book in the whole series yes. and I'm terrified of screwing it up honestly <laughs> like right when we started we were really excited about book 3 and we did not there. know that we'll be here so fast i know you know it's actually going to be a whole year since we started this podcast we started yeah. putting out episodes in jan 2018 and look we're almost at the end of the year yeah we made it a whole year <laughs> thank you for sticking with us yeah thank you so much yeah a- any and every 
feedback you give us is like really motivating and there are not a lot of days where we think about giving up to be honest but some days we do feel like we hate ourselves yeah especially when episode. we're editing and <laughs> listening to episodes where it's like who wants to listen to these two people talk <laughs> and then right when we are thinking that someone writes to us saying that they listened to the episode and they enjoyed it and we are like oh we got to keep doing this again and yeah. again yeah <laughs> like that one comment honestly makes a lot of effort worth it and we are enjoying this journey mm-hmm. we hope that you stick with us till the end of the series mm-hmm. especially book 3 because book 3 is exciting we'll let you know when we are back we on all our usual social media channels channels so if you don't already follow us on our social media channel please do you can follow us on twitter and instagram where remember remember pod you can also follow prashanthi and i separately on social media channels if you so prefer she's underscore empress m p r a s and i'm bale underchim and in the meantime if you just started listening to our podcast you can go back to season 1 and catch up on our episodes mm-hmm. we will be bad <laughs> i'm warning you we have improved a lot but there's still a long way to go thank you for being a part of our journey see you next year until then farewell harry potter Thank you.